Makers Week with Bickley and Murata Mornings, the Arizona Coyotes. We hit the 9 o'clock hour, day one of Newsmakers Week 2023, and we hit the ice now. Arizona Coyotes General Manager Bill Armstrong joins us in studio. Bill, we had you on over the phone. Great to have you in person this year. It's so much better in person. You yes. know, it, it seems like COVID happened like 20 years ago, but, I know. It, but it wasn't that long ago, and we you know, we were doing everything by phone, but it's really great to get in and see you guys. Yeah, uh, and the team playing well. I mean, nine-game point streak right now. Things are kind of hitting stride a little bit. Yeah, they're the team is on a heater you know they just they're just they're just feeling it um you know and uh you know we you know it's 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 an interesting process to go through because we're we're in the middle of uh the rebuild you know and uh here we are just guys lighting it up yeah. you know and uh it's funny how that happens yeah our our, our backup goaltender <laughs> yeah. that we claimed off waivers set an analytical record in the best game in the last seven years played by any goaltender in the nhl <laughs> It's a pretty good pickup That's a by heater. you, Bill. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh not only analytically but also watching it with the eyes, he was pretty good, you know? So yeah. Well, yeah. no, well, again, so, and you're talking about a guy like Connor Ingram, right? Yeah. But it, 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 it speaks to the intellect of the Coyotes' general manager. It must, <laughs> right? How else to explain it? Yeah, well, I'd pass that along. I think our goaltending department have, have done a good job. All right, let's, let's, let's get jump right into this issue because I think yeah. this is absolutely fascinating. It was just covered by Craig Morgan and PHNX because there was a time, you know, when the Diamondbacks thought they were close and then they went on a heater and like, oh, we're pretty close, yeah. and they went for it and it set them back. So you guys are very astutely saying, we got to build this thing up because that's the only way it's going to get built yeah, out properly. Yeah. So you, Clayton Keller scores a game-winning goal and he's quoted as saying, I'm sure the GM isn't too happy about that. <laughs> and, and some people interpret that as, uh-oh, when that's not the case, because it seems everybody understands here yeah. that there's one way out of this. Yeah, and, and I think you know that was the you know there was a joke between him and I as he's coming off the ice, you know, and he was laughing, at, you know, and uh, and I think you know what he probably meant underneath that was just you know listen, it's, we're not going to according to plan right now. We're having a little bit of fun. We're you know everybody our, our team enjoys to be you know being together. Um, they 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 went all star break. I think everybody went together. Like it's mm-hmm. they're a team team, so um, they're all in it together and. And uh, to go through the process, you know, of, of a rebuild, it, there's ugly times where you get your butt kicked and you go, you're on the road and you just can't win. And uh, and that's, it, it's hard to go through as a player. So when I think when they're feeling it right now, they're they're, they're truly enjoying it. And uh, and our coaches done a nice job, too, with that environment. Bill Armstrong, Coyotes General Manager, our guest here on Newsmakers Week. Uh, we, we had you on last year and we were going up to the deadline last year. And I asked you specifically about Jacob Chikrin thinking that he might be moved before the deadline and you kind of intimated that that was a real possibility at that time here we are a year later coming up on the deadline on march 3rd um how how would you how would you categorize that that process right now where are you and and, you know you know he's not on the ice right now with you what what do you expect to get back would that be you know, an NHL player or players or draft picks or kind of fill us in on this whole process. Yeah, right? he's you know, uh, Chick's been great. Number one, he, he ran into an issue last year where he he, he got dinged up with some injuries mm-hmm. and there was it went through the summer and you know and obviously there were some complications and it went into the start of the year. So that kind of prolonged things. Uh, we had some meetings about it and said, hey, listen, as we're going through the process, you know, the team is our last chip in the rebuild. Uh, we're going to get maximum you know value for you. So it's important for us to to make sure that we do this 
this right if it happens. Um, so, and he's been great about it. He has upped his game. He has played well. He's been a great team, and he's been unbelievable. Uh, been very professional about it. So it's, he's made this really easy on our side. Um, and we've said to him, "Hey, listen, if we can't get what we want, then it is what it is, and you'll be you'll you'll be a coyote." And uh, he's he's been great with that process. Um, and you know, nobody's been really distracted by it, so it's it's been pretty good. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we got to make sure that as an organization, we're moving that we're not we're not just getting rid of somebody to get rid of somebody. We're getting rid of somebody or moving somebody along uh, that it's going to help the Coyotes. Mm. It's going to benefit us in years, and whether that be picks or young prospects. Um, so we're, we're at that point, and uh, we're deadlocked in negotiations, and here we go. When you, uh, I saw a recent quote from yours about it's important not only to draft well, but to raise and develop well, because you don't want a bunch of spoiled brats around you, and I yeah. love that. So when, so when you get at the end of this whole thing, what is this hockey team going to look like in a best-case scenario? What's going to be the identity of your Coyotes when yeah. this thing gets, gets to where you want it to be? Well, you've seen a little bit of it now. When you go to a game at the Mullet, there's a reason it's packed, and, and there's a reason that we win. I think we're 13-8 and eight, eight at home is just because of the compete level. You're going to see compete out of it. When this team's finally done, you're going to see compete. What you're going to also see is you're going to see four lines. Uh, you're going to see six defensemen. We're going to cut you with a thousand different ways. We're not going to be limited to one line. With the amount of uh, draft picks that we have in our scouting staff, we're going to have the ability to stack it four, four lines deep, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to beat you, um, you know, from the first line to the fourth line. Uh, you're going to see an identity, and I talked about it earlier with the compete, but also a little bit of the bang, a little bit of the hitting, a little bit of the physicality, and you can see that already. We had two big uh, heavyweight tilts the other night when it was a physical game, and that's part of our DNA. It gives our guys a little bit of room up front, uh, make sure nobody takes advantage of our skill. Bill Armstrong, Coyotes General Manager, our guest here in studio for Newsmakers Week 2023. If you were going to put it in terms of 1 to 100, 1 being square 1, 100 yeah. being finished in this rebuild yeah. process, what, what number would you put that at right now? We're at 40. 40? Yeah, we're, we're 40. There, there's some pieces there, but we got to get over the hump. You know, when you get to 60, you start to see, you know, you start to tick into, hey, listen, we're going to get into the playoffs. we got a chance. Okay. We're, we're going to be the Buffalo Sabres, you know, um, mm. but we're not. We're, we're at 40%. Okay. Uh, you said before we started today, make sure you ask about the number three draft pick. I assume you're talking about Logan Cooley. Yeah. So Tell me about him. So he, he's, a, he's an interesting kid. You know, he's one of those kids where you have the conversation with him and he's got those intense eyes that he focuses on. You're like, oh my God, this, <laughs> this guy's living off every every word I say. Like he, he he's ready to go right now, you know. And so I went to see him the other night in Penn State and I, I like to sneak into games that they think I'll never be there. You know, who's going to Penn State? You got to go to Chicago. Go and then take this little, you know, plane into State College, and you know, and it's it's just there's not a lot of hotels there. There's one hotel on the on the can, you know, so it's it's a hard building. So I sneak in there and I find this <laughs> this little place which really crowded, and I just kind of slide in there. And you know, I didn't think he was very good in the first. You know, I thought he was okay. You know, he made some plays, but you you want a little bit more. So he comes out for the second period and. He's skating around warm up, and nobody's come back to my section yet. So I'm standing alone, right at the back of the net, basically. And he just looked at me and kind of like stopped as he skated around, and he's just kind of looking. Is it? Is that the GM? Is that the dude that drafted? <laughs> me? I don't know if he saw me. What's or he not. doing here? I, I don't know if he saw me, but I know in the next ten minutes he had five points. <laughs> 
That's what I do know. So I don't know. You will have to ask him the story. But in the next 10 minutes, he had five points. And I could have left after that point. I was extremely happy. Outstanding. <laughs> so when he gets to Arizona, you're just going to have to stand behind one of the nets. If that's what it takes, time, yeah. you know, wherever he needs me to stand, we can do that. Yeah. yeah. So. That's a great story. Oh, that is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, Connor Ingram earlier. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the analytical uh, success that he's had. But, you know, not, and you mentioned the, the goaltending department. We talk to Shane Doan every week. Yeah. And Shane always goes out of his way to talk about Karel Vimelka and, and how a guy <laughs> basically came out of nowhere and has yeah. performed as a, as a starting goaltender for the last two seasons for you. <laughs> Can you elaborate more on that process of, of finding goaltending talent? Yeah, I, I think, it, you know, we, we have a, a probably like three guys, three to four guys inside our organization that do the goaltending. And it's a big piece because we knew as once we, like, think about it, we've moved out, you know, we moved out Darcy Kemper, we moved out Hill, and we moved out Ranta, um, and then we moved out Wedgwood. <laughs> so, and they're not easy to find. And then, you know, we, we, we started the pros, process of, you know, let's let's get veggie and, you know, let's, you know, and he was a fine for us and right away. And, and he's he's a he's a guy that our goaltending guys identified. Uh, everybody else thought was uh, okay goaltender and our guys were, no, this guy's the guy. Came into camp, he earned himself a spot and he had 10 games the year before where he just basically put the team on his back and won games. Uh, and, and he's just settled in and I think our, not only from the guys that do our goaltending scouting, the Clay Adams of the world, uh, but also Corey Schwab on our goaltending staff. He does a great job. Yeah. Um, he's really, in what he does, and the goaltenders are like pitchers. You know, there's only so much you can change on them. They kind of are who they are. So you've got to make what they have great. You can't change them to what you think, you know? And that's what I think Schwabi does. He, he really builds that trust inside and yeah. it's slow, it's methodical. Uh, he reminds me, I got a chance to work with Martin Brodeur in and, and the sense that uh, we had to use Martin Brodeur as a goaltender coach because we, we let the, our guy go in, in St. Louis and, and, and uh, so when he did he, when he worked he worked methodical on small little details and built from there and Schwabi's a little bit like that too yeah. he does that with his guys but we, we, he's been able to squeeze the best out of everybody and that's a, that's a credit to him that is so true about goaltenders because Dominic Hasek was very much unconventional oh, and yeah. Mike Keenan never got him never understood him and, yep. and you gotta get somebody who understands him alright finally uh, your head coach Shane Doan comes on here all the time and raves yep. about Bear um, yep. uh, w- what in your opinion makes him so special and and are you going to keep him for the long haul? Will he be here when you get out of this rebuilding process? Yeah, you know, with with, with Bear, he's he's. Um He's truly interesting guy because he's been he's he spent a huge amount of time in junior hockey working with sixteen year old to twenty year old kids you know at the highest level of Canada building teams uh, and and all the way into Rouen where he was way up north and he's he's really mastered what he he does as a coach and he knows not to cross his players he knows how to how to handle his players he is someone that could be very firm and and this is where the new age of coaching comes in where you need somebody to get the most out of the player you can be very firm. Him, but you don't leave a scar, and that's what he does best. Is is they know that that you know the player knows that he likes him. There's a trust level there. And he's done a great job with the players uh, going through this process. When we, we we selected him, my thought process was we wanted a coach for the long long haul, not you know, and that's that's why, and and that's yeah. with his personality, and he's done that, you know, he's and when you're in junior hockey, you got 15, 16 year old kids, they're tough, they're tough to deal with to get them to be able to be your star, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're going through a lot, and and when you learn as a coach how to manage that and have slowly bring them along and not give them, we talked about being a spoiled brat. 
but not giving them too much too early too soon uh, can really you know uh, give them entitlement and he does a great job yeah. of making our players earn it Phil thanks so much yeah, for making great some time stuff, to come man. in and visit with us it was, uh, it was great to uh, great to talk to you do you think we can make the playoffs can we win the next 20 in a row is that uh, you're on that kind of heater yeah, man that's the heater. Yeah. that would be more than a heater <laughs> Cal- Calgary's just shaking in their boots hey? they're just like they're coming into the mul- mul- uh, mullet magic you know? mullet magic, mullet magic. Yeah, there's been some magic there no yeah, doubt oh, it just yeah. never stops yeah. it just keeps going on and on and on come see it though. we'll yes. light them up 6 nothing probably so yeah. thank you so much Bill appreciate right. it thank thanks you, guys general manager of the Arizona Coyotes our guest during Newsmakers Week and Newsmakers Week continues we shift our focus to college basketball we'll be joined by Arizona State head coach Bobby Hurley next here on Bickley and Murata Mornings Arizona Sports the local sports leader this is the Sun Devil Fast Break with ASU men's head basketball coach Bobby Hurley the Sun Devil Fast Break is presented by Arizona Ford Dealers now we get to talk to Bobby Hurley every Tuesday. This Tuesday, but not like this, Vinny. Week, Bobby Hurley joins us in studio here at the Oxygen Community Studios, the uh, head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils. Bobby, good morning. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, no problem, it. guys. Great to be here. Uh, good bounce back for you guys uh, on Saturday on Senior Day. Um, and <laughs> what goes through your mind as a head coach when your team is one for 13 from three-point range, and then you hit two gigantic threes in the final stages of the game to put it away? Yeah, it was uh, not one of our better shooting performances Uh you know, ironically, I I, I watched our uh, game versus Arizona in preparation for for Arizona on Saturday, and I think we started out 0 for 12 from three in that game. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had to suffer through that yesterday. <laughs> um, but it's uh, it, you know, I think the one you know positive is that uh, the guys don't allow that for the most part to filter over to our defensive end. And you know, when we're not struggling to score, we uh, we still hung in there and, and kept the game very close in the first half. All right, so uh, what, so what's on the line here with these upcoming three games? I know you don't want to make too huge of a deal about them because if it doesn't go well, you've got to rebound off of that. But you know, here we are. You've got 19 victories, and you got a chance. I mean, the win over Utah keeps this keeps the, the flame flickering. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if I was in a different conference, uh, I, I might feel differently. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, unfortunately the strength of our league has, has not been great. So even though you're 19 and nine, you're uh, you're kind of on the outside looking yeah. in still. But uh, I was watching um, Oregon versus Washington State and just listening to that telecast on Sunday. They just kept talking about how desperately Oregon needs to win this game because they don't have any opportunities to improve their resume on the schedule anymore this season because yeah. of the strength of the league. Wow. And in our situation, if you look at it and say, wow, we got to go on the road and uh, play Arizona and L.A. schools, that's not great. But in the situation we're in, those are all opportunities uh, to, to put us in postseason. Well, and when you look back at your previous experience against all those three teams this year. I mean, yes, it was three losses, but you put together in the beginning of the second half against Arizona maybe the best 10 minutes of basketball your team's played all year. UCLA for about a half and the half of the uh, the second half, and then the strong finish, I know a lot of it was cosmetic against UC- yeah. USC, but how much do you rely on that experience when trying to get the message across to your players in games like this? Well, I know we've we've beaten good teams. Uh, you know, You beat a team like Michigan by 25 points. Mm-hmm. You beat Creighton on a neutral floor. Uh, you win at Oregon, you win at Colorado, you, you know you could win on the road, and we've been better on the road, actually, than we have been at home. So it's, uh, um, you know, we have that going for us. Uh, we played competitively with the teams you just mentioned. Watching that Arizona game, I just can't, 
believe how many times we had a chance to get over the hump mm-hmm. in that game and just couldn't make a shot or a free throw that could have changed the outcome there. Uh, and certainly we have to get off to a better start because you can't go on the road and, and fall behind the way we did in that game. But uh, credit to, you know, our, our heart, our determination, and, and, and our defense, our ability to get stops, multiple stops, you know, keeps us in games even when we're, uh, we're at a deficit. Now, recently the road's been, it's, it's, you know, it's resonated with your guys. They've um, kind of adjusted those challenges and, and performed well. Obviously, the level of competition goes up. How are they embracing these games, these three games on the way out? Yeah, we, uh, this is a unique week, and we've, uh, we've had a lot of games, and, and so, uh, you know, it's about rest. I, I've uh, we we didn't practice Sunday. We we did. We were very limited in what we did yesterday physically, uh, and then we'll roll up our sleeves the rest of the week and uh, and get after in preparation. So I'll get a better feel for where everyone's at. But the locker room vibe was was very good after the Utah win, and it was great to finish with a victory at home on Senior Day. And and I think the guys understand what's in front of us. Uh, that a lot of teams at this point have no hope. Their only chance for postseason is. Is, is to win a conference tournament, and that's you know not the case with us. And uh, we have some opportunities here in front of us. Bobby Hurley, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils men's basketball team, our guest in studio here on Newsmakers Week. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it just seems natural, human nature, as a head coach, when a when a season starts and you get your players in place, you kind of have a feel of what you have and how, maybe how the season's going to go. And obviously, you get wrenches thrown into that plan all the time. But uh, if you do that, what was your preseason expectation uh, held up against where this team is right now with the opportunity in front of it? I, I mean, I, what I was looking at in the summer and in the fall, I, I thought we were going to be uh, under the radar, undervalued. Uh, based on just what I was watching in our gym, I, I felt like we had a lot of depth. I thought we had a number of good players. I, uh, I you know, we couldn't successfully throw passes in our practices sometimes because of how athletic we are, and that is translated into how we defend. Uh, because of, of what we did on on Saturday with Utah, we've we've now moved into first in, in our league and in, uh, in, in field goal percentage defense. So uh, that's something we've taken a lot of pride in, and uh, we got to continue. To, to bring that that uh, effort and that intensity at that end of the floor the rest of the way. It, you know, it, it, it appears to me from the outside, and I, I don't know everything, but in watching you the last few years, uh, and I heard the same thing about this year's team that you just expressed um, coming into the year, it seems like you've been really, really close in a few of these years, and we know that p- the, the pandemic really disproportionately affected your program uh, in terms of, of halting the momentum you had built. So it's a long-winded way of saying, what is the future for Bobby Hurley and ASU? How do you feel about this? Are they still committed to you? Do you, do you feel like you're as close as it looks from the outside? I mean, I, I feel like, you know, we, we, we're contenders in our league. You know, right now we're sitting in fourth place. Uh, we're in the top tier of the conference. We, uh, we certainly have some work to do with these games, and I, and I, I think that will, you know, determine, you know, where, where we finish. And uh, uh, I'm not as much looking at, at my future as I am just trying to do the best I can for these kids. And, you know, we had a packed house on senior days. There's a lot of guys here that want to play in the NCAA tournament. And and it's and it's going to be hinged on how we how we finish the next few weeks. And that's all I'm thinking about. And uh, I love it here. I, um, I've, I've said that. My, uh, I've had two kids go to ASU. I feel like Arizona feels like home to me, even though I'm from the East Coast. Uh, I've built a life out here. But uh, I, I can't say for sure you know what 
what the long-term future for me looks like. I, you know, and not to jump off of what you're saying right now, but but as a player or somebody watching you, you look really good in a tan. You never had one during your playing <laughs> career because you were an East Coast guy, yeah, right? Yeah. So you're coming out here, and like, now you look Arizona, man. Yeah, no, this is, uh, I mean, it's beautiful. It's hard not to like this place. You know, you could, you know, my wife and I go on hikes, uh, you know, play a little golf in the off-season. I haven't picked up a club in months, but uh, yeah, I, I love it, I, and uh, my family does, and it's uh, there's just so much to offer out here. I heard you made it out to the Open for the first time, too. I that, did, that yeah. official my, my guy, Doug Tamaro, came through. It's just like you're always just wiped out at the end of these weekends, and uh, you know, coming off both wins in the Bay Area, I thought it was a good opportunity. My son and I went yeah. out there, and it was, nice. it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's unlike anything else uh, that golf has to offer. We're talking to Bobby Hurley, ASU head coach. I've always wondered about this. Uh, people always make a big deal about your uh, sideline demeanor as a head coach. You're a fiery guy. You're demonstrative. You're on the officials a lot. We're about the same age. I watched your whole career at Duke and in the NBA, and I I, I know you were a fiery player. But you were uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But memories go sometimes. Yeah. You weren't that fiery or demonstrative as a player, were you? Well, I uh, my freshman year I was. I my dad was was very similar to how I, my demeanor is on the floor. He got after it and okay. had a had a lot of passion. I saw that growing up as a player. I I would be responsive to bad calls. I would get upset if I I was a perfectionist if I turned the ball over. So all these things I was doing were, were kind of counterproductive to, to my team at Duke. Coach K put together a video like my freshman year of all the times I lashed out at officials, at my teammates, <laughs> you know, bad body language. And it was like a montage of all the, the negative things I was doing. And from there, like I was like, wow, I can't believe I look like this. I got to change some things. And uh, so long story short, like I just became more poker-faced as a player and and figured out how to use positive energy and and not be as negative but it's i think my players appreciate that i'll fight for them absolutely i think i've been a little more selective about when i do it um and uh and i the officials the guys that i work with have said hey you've been better so um yeah i I lost it at san francisco but that was a you know game that we were so bad that i was just mad at everybody um (laughs) in that situation but outside of that i've been i've been pretty good this year have you ever had to coach anybody out of that like the process that you went through maybe not making a video montage but have you had to coach a player out of that as a head coach we we t- i mean it's an emotional game and it's very stressful and there's yeah. a lot of you know a lot of things happening and uh so i've i've had plenty of players that, that are you know emotional and you know dj horn is a guy i'm coaching now that that you know he wants it really bad he's hard on himself and so i i've, I've tried to work with him to just be okay with missing a shot or making a mistake you're not perfect and being able to to, to move on to the next play. All right, before we let you go real quickly here, you, you mentioned that your future here, that is not in your hands or your decision, um, but you do want to continue here. And I ask because your job has changed. Coaching in college, is it, it's no picnic. It never was, but now there's even more Ugh. headaches and stuff to deal with. You still enjoying the gig? You still like it? I, I'm young. I love working with the kids. I feel young. Uh, I have a ton of energy and passion for what I'm doing. Uh, I mean, I don't... I mean, I'm 51 years old, so I think I'm in kind of in my prime in terms of uh, my coaching years. And I've dealt with the transfer portal a couple of years now and NIL, so I, I have an understanding of it more so than it was all first 
you know, playing out. So I think I'm positioned well to handle all the things that are being thrown at coaches in, in this new world of college basketball. Bobby, thanks so much yeah, for making the time man. to come in today. Great to talk to you as yeah. always. Best of luck in Tucson. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate you guys. Right. Thank, Thank you, Bobby. Bobby Hurley, yeah. the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, our guest here on Newsmakers Week 2023 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be a part of a, a great weekend, great players. But that is the worst basketball game ever played. How do you fix it? Uh, I don't know if you can fix it. Yeah, I mean, I give Joel and B, Kyrie Irving. Those guys are like competing. Joel's imploring some of the guys to play harder, to try to get some defense in. But um, no one got hurt. They put on a show for the fans. But that that is a tough game to sit through. I'm not gonna lie. That is Michael Malone, the head coach of the Denver Nuggets, who was at the helm of one of the all-star teams, uh, Team Giannis, against Team LeBron Sunday in Salt Lake City. Not holding his tongue, prefacing everything by saying, hey, it was an honor to be involved, but man, that's bad basketball. And considering what we just saw the NFL mm-hmm. pivot away from when you know the Pro Bowl would still get viewers because it was football in some form mm-hmm. with, with recognizable names and players, but it became unwatchable. And the NBA All-Star Game, for all of its spectacle, is mm-hmm. becoming unwatchable. Yeah. And I think Sunday fit that mold. Mm-hmm. I, and I think Michael Malone's right. I don't know if you fix it. Yeah, unless listen. You, unless you just scrap it and come up with a, a different event altogether. Well, and again, they've, they've, they've tricked up the format considerably yes. to the point where they want to in, in, assure that at some point in time, some defense is going to be played. And you're right. This list past game, I'm just watching it going. They can't even begin to even pretend to play defense in this thing. And it's and I agree with you. It really did kind of just get to the point of stupidity. It's like well again, it just it's just like watching a layup drill. It's gotten to the point where they've tried enough different ways to fix it and it's not fixed that they need to start over and do something different. Well because remember yeah. they at one time they did like American players versus international players. Then they did. Well, they never did that in the All Star format. They did that on the like one of the Friday night games. I thought they did it. I thought it was an All Star. But and then they did it with now with, with the drafting of the teams. Now they did that. What the Elam ending is that what they call it? Yes. They've, they've tried different ways to sort of make it more interesting and better, and it's just not. Well, they could dress it up and they can add all these different elements all together, but it mm. all comes down to one thing. Uh, you know, NBA players now more than ever are concerned about their preservation, about their health, about being available to yeah. prolong their careers Listen. because it's it's financially tied and when in you, you play harder, you have a bigger chance for for injury and guys are not willing to take that risk. And it makes sense but from an enter- entertainment standpoint, it's disappointing. Yeah, listen, from an entertainment standpoint, there were like two moments in the game that I liked. I liked when uh when Damian Lillard was jacking up shots from behind half court. Yeah. That was and nailed the first one, which is unbelievable. And then that little mano y mano thing that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum did was kind of interesting. Yes. Kind of. Briefly. Kind, kind of, of briefly, of. I guess. Could, 
Could they go to a two on two format? A three on three but again, format? Who's going to play that would require, in that format? That would require people trying hard. Yeah. And you, how do you get yeah. them to try hard yeah. when there's no incentive to try hard? The, the incentive, I guess, so they'd have to say, like, winner gets a million dollars or two million dollars. Well, or that's something. another way to turn off the fans, too, guys that are making $35 million. They're going to try hard for another million dollars? I, I, I don't know if it's fixable. More right. Mac McClung. Perhaps that's the answer. <laughs> I think you're going to get more Mac McClung. Um, he was one of the big stories of mm-hmm. All-Star Weekend. A guy who was in the G League got signed to Philadelphia. before He, he won the, the dunk contest before he ever played a minute of NBA basketball this year. Mm-hmm. And some people will say that's exactly what the dunk contest needs. Other people are like, how is this guy even here? But, I mean, the fact that they can't draw any top-line talent, any mm-hmm. recognizable names, really, unless you're a diehard, Jimmy, I mean, you're watching that the other night, and, you know, Jericho Sims did some amazing things and putting his elbow through the hoop, a la Vince Carter, who, you know, who won a dunk contest once upon a time with that very move, and to see a guy that size do it was amazing, but yeah. it just, I mean, it's just not that, the, the, the no. judges are bigger names than well, the competitors. No, but, but the Matt McClung thing was so different, it worked. I mean, and it was it was yes. ironic because beforehand, KD of all people, and this is this gives you an example of what's coming with Kevin Durant. He's very opinionated. He went on social media and said, "Is this what we've come to? Really opening up the slam dunk contest to G League guys?" And then afterwards, you got Shaq saying, "Yeah, well, that G League guy just saved the slam dunk contest." Yeah. When when in reverse, the, the latter is not true. It was it was something that nobody had seen before, so it worked. I don't think now suddenly opening the door to G League guys is going to save the slam dunk contest. No, because, it, yes, was he an astounding dunker? Has he been that his entire career? Yes, but the name recognition isn't there. You go back and look when the NBA brought back the slam dunk contest pick in, in the mid-80s, the year that Larry Nance won it. Julius Irving, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. Dominique Wilkins, Clyde Drexler were all in the slam dunk contest. And you'd get those guys every single year mm-hmm. until it became not cool. We were, I mean, even like Kobe Bryant was in a dunk contest. Yes, LeBron Blake Griffin never done won, one. Dwight well, Howard won. Like there were, and not that, that, that long to me though. again. When you start talking about trendsetters and pioneers, it's another thing that LeBron has led. When you talk about the age of empowerment that's been so bad for the game of basketball, but good for individual superstars, you can say the same thing about the slam dunk contest. LeBron's yeah. refusing to play in it is the is the he's the gatekeeper. That was sort of the turning point. Oh yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jordan did it for a while, for a long period of time. Yeah, he did a few of them, uh, and won a couple, uh, or at least one. Uh, you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. And just announced Guns N' Roses heading to Chase Field October 4th. And not for a baseball game, people. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair now by texting ROSES to 620-620. Once again, that's ROSES to 620-620 for your chance to win. Coming up next, as we wrap up day one of Newsmakers Week 2023, we'll give you some reflections of what happened on our airwaves today. It's Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Weekly and Murata, song of the day. Vinny, our song of the day, once from Whiskey's Quicker's set list, used to be a staple of ours. 
You we booted did this it? as well. You booted it? I don't. Yeah, I don't know why we booted it. Bring it back. I might, we might have to. Uh, you could be mine off. Use your illusion too. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. The long-awaited follow-up to their debut, their two-part follow-up. We could have gone like "Sweet Child of Mine," could have "Paradise City," "Welcome to the Jungle." Could have a little deeper. <laughs> Nick's really thinking about it. We, we got to bring I this am. back. <laughs> well, this, this rocks, man! Yeah, fire! Of course, uh, little Guns and Roses today with the announcement that they will be rocking Chase Field October fourth. Unless the Diamondbacks are in the playoffs. Yeah, right? I was talking to a buddy of mine over the weekend, and a buddy of mine who's in the business, and I think knows baseball better than anybody in the business. Really? He said, get ready. D-backs are making the playoffs this year. Wow. This year. This year. Yeah. Okay. Expanded playoffs. Excitement. They beefed up their bullpen. Corbin Carroll. Corbin Carroll. Alec Thomas. <laughs> Jake McCarthy. Zach Gallen. Evan Longoria. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, go. they've got a... Diamondbacks have got some... Uh, they've, they've rolled the dice a little bit, right? Evan Longoria. Yes. Kyle Lewis. Yeah. Former American League Rookie of the Year. They brought back the Sheriff been really good in the past few years as a, as a lefty reliever. I'm excited. Uh, there you go, Guns N' Roses. You could be mine. Today's song of the day. Bickley and Murata going off the grid. Off the grid. Brought to you by Sweet James Accident Attorneys. If you've been hurt in an accident, call Sweet James at 800-500-5200 or sweetjames.com. Yeah, uh, obviously a big guest pack day here on day one of Newsmakers Week 2023. Eric Moses, the executive executive director of the Fiesta Bowl. Jed Fish, Arizona head football coach. Derek Hall, the president and CEO of the Diamondbacks. Bill Armstrong, Coyotes GM, and uh, Bobby Hurley, ASU's head coach, wrapping it up. And uh, I thought a lot of a, a lot of interesting conversation today, starting early on with Eric Moses, the mm-hmm. executive director of the Fiesta Bowl, who yeah. was, was very open and honest about the challenges not only for the Fiesta Bowl, but the challenges, I think, for a lot of people in the sports world now, getting people out of their homes. Oh, to, yeah. To, to attend events. And that's, I mean, that's that's why you're seeing this push to make everything entertainment, um, you know, uh, revolving around entertainment. Mm-hmm. It gives something for everybody because, you know, the marketplace is more crowded than it's ever been. I, I thought that was a refreshing viewpoint from a guy yeah. in his position. Yeah, no, yeah, same here. And, and, and I like what he said about the, the spirit of cooperation that you have to have, especially in a place like the Valley, where if you're going to host big events, that's going to sort of incorporate nine different municipalities, which is what the Super Bowl did, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got to you've got to have everybody on board and not causing issues. And and I, I loved how Eric Moses pointed out. You look at the city of Nashville, which is where everybody is going. It's where all the bachelorette parties are going. It's where all the we. It's like the new Vegas, right? Yeah. And Nash Vegas. Is Nash Kate Vegas, McGinnis right? Calling. And so so the, the the thing there is that everybody in Vegas is on board. That you know, from the minute people land there, you got to get them down to you got to get them down to broadway you got to get them to the haunt you got to make it easy on everybody and it's and that takes cooperation 
And so, yeah, so I thought, yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. I thought that presentation was good because what the Fiesta Bowl is about to go into is exactly what the WM Phoenix Open just went into, and that is we're the same tournament, we're the same football game, but suddenly everything's changed around us. Mm-hmm. It's bigger now. It's, yeah. and, and so, yeah, there's all that. Then we were joined by uh, Jed Fish, the Arizona head football coach, going into his third year. Uh, my biggest reflection on that was I shouldn't have asked him about Dorian Singer. <laughs> Vinny Joe Trigger. I mean, it wouldn't have been that hard for him to say he was a tremendous player. With the transfer portal the way it is, yes. we expected we'd probably lose him. Yeah. Been a little we wish him well. Yeah, you know, who knows? And he's, it's okay. He's still in the conference, at least for another year. Yeah. Uh, my takeaway was he was not surprised it happened, but he wasn't very happy that it happened. Clearly. Yeah. Well, Clearly. Jet Fish has done an amazing job taking over a program that was at the depths that it was at, uh, winning one game last year, and really using the transfer portal to his advantage well, to, 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 yeah. uh, to win five games. That's a team that probably is you know, in bowl contention this year. Yeah, I think that here's what I think about it. I think after it, I think Jed Fish came in and he got people excited and people thought this is exactly the guy that we need. This is our next Dick Tomey. Then the first year happens and they win one game and people are like, yeah. And then last year happens and and uh, what what would they be saying had he not beaten Sean Aguano at ASU? I, it would have felt different because yeah, a lot sure. of those wins were stacked earlier and they had a couple yeah. of you know that a couple of non conference wins mm-hmm. or. Uh, you know the San Diego State win and the North Dakota State win. Mm-hmm. I thought were pretty good, but you're right. They they so, ended with a punctuation mark that probably yeah. helped. And, but but I do think I do think he knows what he's doing, and I think it was a good hire for him. But this is going to be an interesting year because some people think he might there might be a little regression this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Derek Hall joined us in studio for two segments. Uh, was pretty open about the future of the Diamondbacks' home, Chase Field, needing renovations or maybe the possibility of a new home um, altogether. For me, I mean, and it's early in the process, uh, but the Diamondbacks being right in the heart of downtown Phoenix is such a coup for them. I would hate to see them, you know, uh, you you want a a permanent solution. You want them out of downtown? I, I want them in a different stadium. I've I've been very clear on that. But no, I'm not saying it has to be Chase Field. I'm, if a new stadium happens, I would hope it's still in the downtown area. Yeah, where where would that be? Good question. They're running out of room. I mean, I I suppose you could tear down and build back, but that's that's a lot of money to do that. Time. They what, just what yeah, time, play? right, time. They they need they need a sm- they need ambiance in the worst way. Yes. They need a 35,000 seat venue. Yeah. Uh, Bill Armstrong, Coyotes general manager. He was also open and honest about the Jacob Chikrin situation and Correct me if I'm wrong. Left the door open for Jacob Chikrin to remain a member of the Coyotes after the trade deadline? He did. Bill Armstrong is not going to settle for less than what he wants in that trade, and I commend him for it. That's a 26-year-old defenseman who's really good. Or that's just rhetoric. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. We did talk wow. to him about it last year. Okay, there might be some GM up in Calgary, eh, who reads that and goes, Oh, hey. Oh, they, they, they're not looking to get rid of him there, eh? <laughs> I'm sorry, you're not I'm trading Chikrin. Okay, we better up that offer, eh? I didn't say this to Bill Armstrong, but I'll say it to you. Um, if if you just saw Bill Armstrong for the very first time and you said, <laughs> guess what that man does for a living? Mm-hmm. You might guess NHL general manager. He's like from Central Casting, Bouncer. is he not? <laughs> we had a former 
NBA and college basketball athlete on after him, and Bill Armstrong dwarfed him. Yes. <laughs> that is true. Uh, Bobby Hurley joined us as well uh, for his weekly visit, did it in studio. I would say a successful Newsmakers Week, day one. Uh, tomorrow on Newsmakers Week... I had the schedule in front of me, and now it's gone. Pat Don't Williams. Jerry. There we oh, go. Jerry Dillingham. Xavier Gutierrez. Monty Xavier? Williams. Xavier. Xavier. Who's Xavier. that? Monty Williams, Al McCoy, and Tommy Lloyd. Wow, power Big pack day. tomorrow, Big too. Day. I promise not to uh, tick off Tommy Lloyd. We'll catch you tomorrow. <laughs> Wolf and Luke are up next. Have a great day, everybody.